Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, queens. We are excited to be talking to Stephanie Roth-Goldberg. She is a psychotherapist and certified eating disorder specialist in New York City. She is the founder of Intuitive Psychotherapy NYC, a small group practice focusing on eating disorders. She herself is a mom of two young kids and an Ironman athlete prior to having kids and is now more of a casual swimmer, biker, and runner who occasionally races when that was an option. (laughs) She dedicates a good amount of her private practice to working with athletes. Stephanie teaches and lectures about eating disorders, athletes, and exercise at the William Ellenson White Institute in New York City. And she can be found on Instagram at Embodied Psychotherapist, a great Instagram page to follow. So please go find her. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Um, Stephanie, first of all, we... We really, I'm really interested in talking to a therapist who's based in New York City right now during this time. So, first of all, we want to know how you're doing at home and how life has been looking like for you during COVID. So, how have you been pivoting out there on the East Coast? <laughs> yeah, um, to make matters extra complicated, I had a baby in the beginning of April, right oh. at the peak of everything. <laughs> Stephanie, I did not know that. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> and that. Is a crazy place to have a baby (laughs) right then. Crazy time. Can you tell us what was that experience? Were you able to have all your needs met during that time? Um, that's that's a funny way to ask it. It is, as I said that. That's funny. I mean, (laughs) was your partner able to be there? So the they changed um, the rule the day before, so he was able to be there for two hours for two two hours post birth. So he was there through the whole labor, Uh and then he ended up walking back home at like three thirty in the morning. Um, Oh my gosh! Yeah, and it was really I actually like I made I connected with the woman I shared a room with, even though I we I never saw her face. Yeah. (laughs) and we've still kept in touch because it was such an odd, you know, kind of crazy experience. You had to birth with like an N95 mask on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, w- so when you just asked that, I thought, I wonder what I would answer had I not had a newborn during right. COVID in addition to just... You're a therapist um, and a mom being... during COVID. Well, I'd say you're a badass because that's <laughs> what I'm telling my clients check, check. who are having babies during COVID is that's... Is this so? Are, is this baby number two then for you? Yeah, baby yeah. number two. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, so yeah. How is so we're postpartum? we're doing okay? Uh-huh. Um, we ended up leaving Manhattan and staying with family in New Jersey just for a little breathing room. Sure. Um, 
and childcare because everyone's, you know, working from home. We're back, we're back at our apartment now, but we were out in the suburbs, which was interesting, but we were really lucky to have family nearby who had enough bedrooms for us all. (laughs) (laughs) So back in the city, how are you Uh, feeling being back? It's it's I like it. Um, It's really nice. Like uh, our core group of sort of, friends are are back um, or had never left. And so, um, you know, right now, while the weather's nice, it's really lovely. Like mm-hmm. we live near a park so we, or we live near the park. We go to Central Park a lot. Mm-hmm. Like there's music classes in the park for my older kid. And I love nothing more than running in Central Park. It's yeah. like that feels like being home to me. So mm-hmm. um, I think we're in this honeymoon phase of like the weather is perfect and, um, things are happening outside that feel really lovely. And even though we're, you know, sort of all living in this two bedroom apartment, we've kind of managed and it's working out. Yeah. Well, for the most part. Well, um, so glad you're back in the city and probably uh, doing what you love. So let's talk a little bit about the clients you're, you're seeing right now. So how do you think the pandemic has been impacting um, athletes with eating disorders specifically right now with school looking so differently and sports looking so differently? Would you say that the stress of all this has had a negative impact specifically on this population? Tell me a little bit what you're, you've been seeing lately. Yeah, so I think this is also, you know, obviously I can only speak specifically about, you know, New York City or, or my, the patients I work with being here. And so I think um, it's particularly hard for, first of all, for, you know, clients who, who have eating disorders without being athletes. But then in addition right. to that, because when the pandemic hit, there's no one has any space. So that's part of, um, so... <laughs> Yeah. I think, you know, my friends or family in the suburbs are like, oh, I just go down the basement and I ordered, you know, some weights from Target or whatever. Um, and I think it was really hard for the clients who had to stay in New York City to sort of be able to do everything in their apartment. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, specifically, I really think about it as work, I'm working with someone who's a swimmer. She was having an amazing season. Um, and then the pool shut down. I think she just got back in the pool maybe three weeks ago um, for the first time. And it was devastating mm-hmm. to her. And I think the lack of structure really kind of causes a little bit of the eating disorder sort of symptoms to kind of be louder and that lack of structure even, you know, and socialization of for my clients who are on team sports, they might've done, you know, some sort of zoom workouts and um, they have their team chats, but it's very different than I see these same people at every morning. And then we, you know, I see them on the weekends at meets or after school. Um, so, and then all the treatment centers here closed as well. Mm -hmm. So even if patients needed a higher level of care, it wasn't easy to access unless they were willing to do it over Zoom. Um, So a lot of people needed a lot more support. Um, It's funny because I feel like now we're sort of on the other side of this as things are opening up and people are able, you know, people are able to go outside more easily in the beginning here, even, you know, just going out for a run was sort of iffy. Um, we were at the epicenter of it all in some ways. And so um, 
and people being stuck home with family members who may be really in an eating disorder or have really rigid rules around food and then having to navigate eating every meal with someone who has a lot to say. That was really hard for a lot of people. Um, So I found myself doing some meal support, even just like having clients bring, you know, their breakfast to session or lunch to session, even if we didn't talk about the food, just so they didn't have to eat with family members who are commenting, oh, you're eating so much. Oh, you're eating so little. Why are you eating this? Why are you eating that? Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of thing. And then dealing with, you know, I'm not moving as much. Do I have to eat as much as something that always comes up for this population? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think for, we were talking about this earlier, you know, athletes are such rule followers. So if coach tells you to be at practice at this time and you do this for training, they're going to do it. And then when COVID hit, I mean, the rug was pulled out. And then because we've never dealt with something like this, there was no guidance. I mean, a lot of my athletes were like, I can't even reach out to my coach to ask them what to do because the rules or regulations won't let him. I think they've adapted and changed for that, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine to be in the middle of a season and have something like that happen and then not know for sure when you were going to go go back. So in Missouri and Kansas right now, you know, Kansas was not going to do sports. And then boom, like two weeks, we're going to have sports that are active. So I'm curious, like, what have been some of your top coping tools that you've emphasized with clients right now in terms of coping with the pandemic um, struggling with that end and then not really having their season be what they expected or be like, okay, now you got to be ready to go in two weeks. We're back at it. Yeah, I think so. I've had both experiences where it's like your season just, I mean, of course, everyone had to grieve their season at the end of last year, whatever that looked like for people, you know, especially collegiate athletes who just like were sent home, you know, just go home. <laughs> um, and so one of the, one of the biggest coping strategies that I've worked with people around, I guess two, I feel were equally important. One is continuing to have some kind of structure for this population, Mm -hmm. for athletes who are used to, you know, waking up and training, kind of trying to find a buddy to do some kind of exercise with or even have coffee with so it doesn't, because at the beginning, some of of these people I found like really needed like that sort of, I'm going to be depressed and lay in bed and that was fine. And then that kind of took over and sort of that's where they're like, but I'm not doing anything. I don't need to eat. I don't know. I slept through breakfast. And sure. um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of sort of those old behaviors creeping in for people. And so I think structure, as you said, like athletes thrive on structure. Right. Um, and so that was one of the things that we worked on, even if the structure was get up and get outside for some fresh air every day, like even if you don't do anything, um, shower some of those basics and then socializing whatever that could look like for people you know having zoom calls with their teammates or friends and and just kind of staying connected over the phone or you know for younger people of course like things like instagram and social media i mean for everyone social media but um and i found for my patients who are on sports teams it was really important to do some kind of exercise on zoom with the people Mm -hmm. they're used to training Mm -hmm. with if they had access to it absolutely definitely yeah i think it is like like, sorry go ahead no it's just kind of also like an accountability kind of so and then 
everyone could be ready to go if they were going to do something or um, it also alleviated some of the competitive feelings like, Oh, this person's doing that and I'm not. And, mm-hmm. um, Oh yeah, that, that was in the first month. I could see that where everybody was posting their Instagram fitness videos. Right. And then it's like 24 hours. You could just keep doing one after another, after another. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to end up so injured before sports actually get restarted. Yeah. Then you're not going to be able to. And how bad is that going to suck? Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. And I, I did a lot of like self-acceptance. Like, you know what? It's because there was also in the beginning, all of that, like, oh, the quarantine 15, Ugh. which was making me so yes. angry. Um, no, I, but there, I also had, go ahead. I was just saying like COVID, I'm going to be COVID fit instead of COVID oh, fat. Yeah. Oh, God, like, there were so many stupid that things so that came awful. out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of cleansing of that, right? Like, sure. okay, remove those people from your Instagram feed mm-hmm. or your Facebook and also like know that yeah you actually might gain weight because your body's adapting mm-hmm. and that's fine um but also I'm a big believer you know unless you have a treatment team like throw out all your scales that was another thing like sure. I worked with a lot of people on not weighing themselves mm-hmm. um I can see that being an w- increase right now because oh, that's yeah. all I have access to my apartment and a scale sure mm-hmm. something they can control right mm-hmm. right so, yeah, lots of like some some of uh, the coping skills are just removal of kind of triggers. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this too. Do you think you spent a lot of time like focusing on the the grief aspect of all these changes in a short amount of time with clients? Yes, yes. And I think allowing people to grieve it. The other thing I think that was interesting, and I imagine this is a little bit New York City specific, is that also making space for their grief when we were in the city surrounded by, I mean, it was really doom and gloom Mm -hmm. and like really scary. And um, people also kind of feeling like, can I have these feelings when, you know, people can't even go to the hospital that need care and um, making space for grieving, I think was really important Um, and allowing patients to have their feelings without, you know, while holding in mind what else is going on, but also that, you know, but not neglecting what their experience was. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Like, I can grieve and still be grateful at the same time, right? We don't have to just have one Mm -hmm. feeling. Well, Becca touched on something that I wanted to talk about. I loved a recent post on Instagram of yours that you said, exercise is not therapy, which I'd like you to expand. And you talked a little bit about it on Instagram by what you mean by that. At the same time where if I listen to any podcast or read any article about how to cope during this time, everybody is going out and exercising. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you mean that exercise is not therapy. Yeah, I think, you know, and and you guys will probably agree with me about this. There's a real distinction between what is therapeutic and what is actually therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah, me and too. I, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so that's, that's sort of what that post was intended to mean, right? Like exercise is not therapy. It can be really therapeutic, but I think I did like the next day, a follow-up post. If you can make space for exercise in your schedule and you can make time for that, you can make time for your mental health. Um, And, you know, I think 
right now, especially everyone is having a lot of feelings about, you know, the, the state of the world and the state of our country and, um, and their own seasons. And so I think dedicating specific time to therapy, which is a talking modality, right, with, between two individuals and um, one who is trained to help kind of find coping strategies and help help you navigate the feelings, whatever they are that you're having is really important. And having therapeutic, I always work with my clients on having sort of a, a toolbox metaphorically, right? Like having a number of tools in your toolbox. And I think exercise is a tool mm -hmm. that we have access to. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not, it can't be our, and people say, Oh, I don't need therapy. I, you know, I, I'm, I went for a hike. I don't need therapy, but that's oh, right. You know, mm -hmm. that can be helpful to clear your mind, but it's not going to solve mm -hmm. um, whatever the underlying concerns are. Sure. What do you think about using exercise for emotional regulation? Is, uh, what What's kind of, I know I feel sometimes mixed on how we use it. What, mm -hmm. what are some of your thoughts on that? I think this is, you know, it's... I think that it's great for certain populations. I think where it, it, it has the tendency to then become compulsive, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, oh, I'm in, a, I'm in a mood and I need to exercise or I can't get out of this emotional state. And then that's problematic because we don't always have the option to exercise at, you know, at the drop of a hat. Sure. Um, I think long-term though, right, there's so many studies that show that exercise does help with emotional regulation mm -hmm. kind of as a foundational, it can help reduce anxiety. It's really good for ADHD. Um, it can help reduce depression. The tricky part about it in that way as being prescriptive is there's also no research that shows this works for this person's depression mm -hmm. or yeah. this particular exercise is helpful for, you know, there's some studies that will show like cardiovascular exercise is better for anxiety than other things, but there's not enough studies to show how we can use it in a prescriptive way. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially like, how do you know when it's cross? I always say like the dosage becomes the poison. Mm. Like when does it cross mm. over and now it's not therapeutic, it's right. actually being more harmful. But I think actually one of the ways that I personally sort of sort through that is, does this person have other tools sure. at their disposal? Do they have other strategies when they're having mm. an emotional, you know, sort of reaction to something? Um, and how much does it get in the way of their life? If I have to exercise at the expense of other things, then we know sure. that's a measure mm -hmm. that this is no longer helpful. Mm -hmm. That's a good, I like that. Yeah. So, Stephanie, we're curious... Um, sorry, we thought maybe uh, Kara had another question. No, I'm she... good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could talk all day about <laughs> exercise. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. In the midst of all this chaos, bringing a, a brand new bundle home and navigating COVID, how did you live out the fit philosophy, balancing performance, health, intellect, and time for self? And do you feel like the pandemic made you kind of shift in how you balance your self-care? It did make me have to shift because I just, um, well, and again, it's so hard for me to tease out, would this have happened anyway with two children? Probably, sure. right? Like, mm -hmm. um, there was lack of sleep, there's lack of some child care, 
And um, so balancing and also balancing time with my kids who my older child who, you know, sort of was going through this huge transition. He didn't understand why wasn't he seeing his friends at school. And mm-hmm. um, he needed a little more, I think, time mm-hmm. with me and my partner to sort of sort through that. So the balance did shift between sort of time alone. Um, and also, of course, then you're not training for anything. There's nothing to train for. So right. um, the performance thing also, I think, was interesting in terms of what am I sort of hoping my performance is, you know, um, how I'm, I'm now balancing it. My partner also is an athlete. And so luckily, he is fine to take a night shift. He's happy to work out in the evenings. Um, so I make some space in the morning and I I leave the house and if it's a day where I have movement sort of in the plan, that's great. And if not, I just sort of use that as my alone time to kind of think, get a cup of coffee and sit outside, disconnect from screens. Um, Although I've recently been on sort of a running plan that is gentle and, you know, taking into account that I am not getting as much sleep as I would like. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm working a lot because I think a lot of people need mental health support mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. time. And um, so it does look differently, but I think as long as I get some alone time each day, I'm sort of feel refreshed and alone time away from a screen. Also, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, God, yes, man. The I, zoom <laughs> headaches. <laughs> it's, it's been so interesting. I'm just thinking about solitude, right? I I've talked to so many of my clients about solitude. It's such an interesting time to talk about that when we feel so alone right. too. But I'm like, it's a different feeling when you're, you know, you're still with your family all of the time or <laughs> suffocating or if you're in a helping profession, yeah. right? And you're a mom. I mean, there's so much energy going out that solitude is pretty important right now. Yes, yes. And I wish I could say I had a better meditation practice than I do, but I've, I've accepted that right now solitude is where solitude. It's, and just kind of quiet time as opposed to structured meditation is sure. where I think we all could work. To to. Right. We could all work on the structured meditation. We're all works in progress, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Stephanie, thanks for um, being on and chatting with us. Again, I love following your Instagram. You you bring up such great topics when it comes to eating disorders, exercise, um, and sports. So please keep doing um, the great work that you are. Congrats on baby number two and um, getting through this first year is, I know, sometimes always the, the hardest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, what we can remember of it. Guys. I love listening <laughs> to the podcast. So oh, thank I'm so you. happy and honored to be on it. We we so appreciate that and keep on listening. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Okay. All right, thanks. Stephanie. Thanks Bye, so Stephanie. much. Have Safe. a good day. Okay. Bye, mm-hmm. Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at FitForQueen. Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.